0: who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now. Hello America and happy Thursday or welcome to the first day of CPAC the Conservative Political Action Conference here in Washington DC. Our entire team at Justin News is out and about trying to get interviews with newsmakers. We've got a great lineup for you today, and we'll be broadcasting live tonight from the Real America's Voice studio, our television show, Justin News No Noise. Amanda Head and I, lots of great interviews. You're going to get a couple of them early. We've been lucky enough to pre record some of the folks as they were walking by. So today, we've got a great show for you. Let's kick it off with Senator Ted Budd, the newest senator from the state of North Carolina. He is only a few weeks into his job, but he is making waves all over the Senate. He has a bill to require that the unspent money on the border wall be spent. Congress appropriated it. Joe Biden won't spend it. He's got a bill to stop federal agencies from discriminating against people who don't have traditional college degrees. It should be about your skills, not about your degrees. That is a bill that's getting a lot of popular support around the country. A lot of people talking about it. Senator Marco Rubio, Florida, has joined him on that. And he's also on the Senate Armed Services Committee, where a very, very important, serious, troubling investigation is underway. We brought it to you about a week ago. The revelations that the Pentagon, the Defense Department, specifically the Air Force, improperly leaked the transcripts, the personnel files of 11 Armed Services members, military people's private data being shared with a Democratic opposition research firm working for the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. This is a very deeply troubling episode. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin hasn't given answers yet to Congress, both the House and the Senate, who have raised this. We know at least one of the files came from Jennifer Ruth Green, who we had on this show not that long ago. She was the House candidate in Indiana, almost won, lost by a small margin in Indiana. Her file, including details of a sexual assault that she suffered while she was in the military, leaked out. It is a very disturbing Revelation. And I think a lot of members of Congress want more answers than they've gotten and more accountability, including possible prosecutions. We'll have to see where that leads. But Senator Ted Budd, he's right on the forefront of that investigation. We're going to be able to talk to him about that. Then we'll take a quick commercial break. We've got Congressman Scott Perry, the leader of the Freedom Caucus in the House, one of the key players in the brokering of the speakership of. Kevin McCarthy a few weeks back. He's working on a lot of things, including an effort to force the... Federal government to give up office space it's leasing or own because it won't use it. Why? Because it's allowed all these workers to keep working from home even though the pandemic is over. That is getting a lot of attention, making waves in the bureaucracy, the permanent bureaucracy of Washington. But a lot of common sense people in America say, of course, if you're not using the office space, why should we pay for it? He's taking a crack at that. We're going to talk to him about that and a whole lot more, including the weaponization of government. And then earlier today at CPAC, as the first panels got going. There was a really fascinating panel about the assault on America's First Amendment. And Congresswoman Harriet Hageman, she was one of the stars on that panel. She gave a robust defense of the First Amendment and free speech in America— saying it is rooted in a gift that God only can give us, not the government can't take it away. The Constitution ensured it. We need the Constitution to be honored. We're going to talk to Congresswoman Harriet Hageman from the great state of Wyoming. She's going to give us the rundown on why that is such an important issue, why America needs a little bit of civic literacy. Maybe we got to start reminding young generations and even older generations that the Constitution isn't an option It is a requirement. It is the protection of our unalienable rights given to us by God that sometimes recently the government thinks are theirs to keep or take. And we're going to have a great conversation about that. It certainly informs a lot of the concerns Americans have today about the weaponization of government. So we've got a great show. Ted Budd starting it off. Senator Ted Budd, followed by Scott Perry and Harriet Hageman, back to back to back here on the first day of CPAC in Washington, D.C. It's back in the nation's capital after a two-year hiatus in Florida. A lot of people buzzing. Donald Trump will be there. Nikki Haley will be there. Oh, by the way, tomorrow. Here's a little tease. I don't want you to get ahead of yourself too much, but tomorrow... We're going to have a double block interview, two interview blocks with Nikki Haley, the former UN ambassador and the second Republican to jump into the Republican race. That's very exciting. We're going to get to talk about all the issues, Ukraine and China and all those things. We're going to have that for you tomorrow at the top of the podcast. Amanda and I are going to spend the time with her tonight. You won't want to miss that. She's speaking at CPEC, so we'll have that as well. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to kick off the show with Senator Ted Budd, the newest senator from North Carolina, on the forefront of some of the most important legislative issues bubbling up right now in the United States Senate and in the Congress. We'll have that right after this commercial break. higher than expected again just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The US is 34 plus trillion dollars in the hole and yet we keep printing money which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Listen, normally when people get to Washington or they move chambers from the House to the Senate, it takes a little while to start to have an impact. You kind of feel your way around. Not our next guest. Senator Ted Butter, of the great state of North Carolina has hit the ground running with some of the most important and talked about legislation in the early Congress this year. And we're lucky enough to have him join him right now. Senator,
1: great to have you back on the show. John, what an honor to be with you uh, again. As I told you earlier, I'm a fan. My wife is a super fan, but uh, great to be with you.
0: Thank you, sir. Well, that's an honor to hear. There's a lot of people who are fans of some of the early legislation that you've brought to the floor already. You're forcing a debate on some of the most important issues. Let's start with the build the border wall
1: bill. A lot of people excited about this. You want to get the mission accomplished, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I've been down there multiple times. We see the devastating results. One of the things in all 100 counties of North Carolina is that sheriffs would come up to me and say every single county in North Carolina uh, over a thousand miles away from the border. But every county is a border county because of Joe Biden's policies. But Trump, uh, you know, was making great progress on it. There's still, from his administration, $2.1 billion in unspent wall funding remaining that is yet to be untapped. And we can use that. And But they've been using, the Biden administration has been using every delay tactic in the book not to build the wall, Envi- environmental reviews, uh, um, you know, and we know that the funding expires after a certain amount of time. So what this bill would do is it would eliminate all of Joe Biden's excuses for not building the wall, not looking after our national security. And it would require the wall construction to restart immediately. I mean, I've been down there. I've seen the steel. I've seen the concrete. I've seen the expensive diesel equipment just sitting there idle. Uh, and it, this cranks it all back up and gets started again using that two point one billion dollars that's already set aside.
0: Yeah, so important. I want to ask this, as you've had great relationships across the aisle, people, you talk to everyone, you're always trying to engage them. It feels like maybe some of the Democrats are beginning to realize that this border, particularly the fentanyl poisoning that's going on in our country, is becoming a political liability, even for them. Do you think you might see
1: some movement from
0: Democrats who move from the president's position and try to do something common sense for our country?
1: You know, I would sure hope so. I think they're all starting to, to hang their head and, and regret the fact that they were opposed to the wall. Um, you know, this should not be political. I mean, I think Obama was was for it at one point. Um, but we're seeing children under 14 dying of fentanyl poisoning at, at a rate faster than any other group. Uh, some, sometimes it's uh, a drug that's you know, an illicit drug that's that's stronger. It's been laced. Uh, in Iredell County, uh, just north of Charlotte, there is a drug bus there with enough fentanyl to kill 250,000 people. And that's just in one car. Um, you know, uh, this is tragic. But Republicans, Democrats, we all have names of people that we've lost, friends that have lost, family members. We're all one degree away from this, if not right in our own family, and it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. And so I think that's why we're reaching across the aisle uh, to fix this problem, and it's about time. Yeah,
0: no, it is. America's crying for a solution. They remember what it looked like just a couple of years ago,
1: and now it's such a crisis. Yeah, John, if you'll if you remember, I mean, in 2018, you know, the, the crisis had been get, getting worse when it comes to opioids. Uh, year after year, for decades, uh, since uh, the 70s. And then now it's finally, it has started getting better in 2019 for the first time under President Trump. And then it completely went backwards um, after that. And it's just devastating what Joe Biden has allowed at the border.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't seem to, not even the powerful stories of mothers and parents seems to be moving him to make any change. That's why Congress is going to be the big opportunity here. Senator, there's another piece of legislation that people are buzzing about. I think they're very excited. And it tries to get the government to not discriminate against people who might not have traditional college degrees. We're missing a whole generation of potential service from great, able Americans because of the bias in the federal government that you got to come from one of the Ivy League schools. Tell us why this is important. It seems
1: like a lot of people are coalescing around this bill that you and Senator Rubio introduced. Well, I had worked on this in the House. Now I get to join Senator Rubio in the, in, or in the Senate. It's the Federal Skills Act. We just believe that the federal government should not be opening its doors to, uh, to candidates. We want them to have the skills required for the job, not just a degree. And we, people shouldn't be shut out of the system when they want to become civil servants if, if they don't have a degree. We, if they've got the skills, we want them to come on board. And that's what we want to emphasize is the results, not some parchment on the wall. Parchment's fine. But if you don't have the skills, that's a problem. When we want to focus on skills, uh, not just degrees. It, it's interesting that you know now they're looking at debt forgiveness for something that, which may not be producing the results uh, that we had hoped for. A lot of debt, but without the results. And this bill would modernize the hiring process in the federal government to just look at skills instead of simply university degrees. There's a lot of great people out there that never took the time for whatever reason to get a university degree. We say, you know what? That doesn't matter. If you've got the skills, please come to work for us.
0: Yeah. Yesterday, I thought you had one of the most dramatic moments in Congress, the FAA administrator nominee there. You asked him seven questions. I don't think he could answer any of the sevens with any policy substance. We have Pete Buttigieg, who also seems to be lost as transportation director. Seems like we've created a crisis in the transportation sector simply by appointing people who don't have those skills you were just talking about. Tell us why yesterday's exchange with the FAA administrator nominee So important.
1: Well, John, I mean, you, the listeners, all of us who believe in common sense, don't you think that uh, somebody that's going to be running the Federal Aviation Administration should know something about aviation? And that's why I asked him several questions. Look, I'm an aviator. Um, I've been a pilot for 30 years. But he didn't know the answer to any of my questions about basic FAA programs and regulations. But I want to say, look, this is not about his service to our country. We're grateful for his time in uniform as a command sergeant major, but it's simply a mismatch. Ted Cruz pointed out this is about patronage, not about competency. And the FAA right now can't afford to be led by someone who needs on-the-job training.
0: Yeah. No, so true. So true indeed. Senator, you sit on the Senate Armed Service Committee. I want to ask this last question because a lot of people have seen the reporting we've done on Just the News. Other people are doing some really good reporting on this as well. It is now up to at least 11 military members, maybe a lot more, who had their personnel files improperly, illegally accessed by a Democratic research firm. It was actually working for the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. I know you take this super seriously. Seems like a budding scandal. What should we be focused on and how concerned are you that it was this easy for someone to get the private personnel fires of our great armed service members?
1: You know, this is scary stuff and we're just now finding it. it it's brand new. It's only a few days old that we're discovering this. We've, uh, we, we've sent a, uh, a letter out to Lloyd Austin asking him to look into this. We have not gotten a response back yet. Very concerning. Shame on uh, the Democrat operatives that would uh, use our military and try to get into personnel records um, to upend elections in their favor. Uh, That's, uh, uh, that's, that's bad. That is awful. And we're going to look into this and uh, we'll be having hearings on it, but we've got to get a response back from secretary Austin on this to say, what is going on? How do they do this? And uh, are other uh, service members records at risk. Um, Those who have served our country proudly in uniform, uh, it looked maybe one day they want they want to sign up and run for office as a lot of my colleagues on both sides of the aisle have. But their record, their records should not be at jeopardy of uh, being politically exposed.
0: Yeah, such common sense actually. It's a very common sense thing, but it seems to have fallen out the way inside some some arms of the Pentagon. I don't know why this happened, but I know you're going to get to the bottom. Last question on China. You have been one of the clarion voices in Congress, starting in the House, continuing in the Senate, on keeping our eye on the ball. We have lots of other things in the world that are important. But China seems to be our preeminent threat. The Democrats seem to be crossing over in much larger numbers. I think even we expect it in America because they see the threat. Is this becoming a bipartisan issue? And does Joe Biden eventually get a wake up call from his own party?
1: I think it really is. We we realize and thank goodness, you know, it was an awful incident when that uh, that balloon crossed our country. But people on both sides of the aisle woke up uh, and, and now believe in things that I've been talking about for well over two years that. You know, We need to treat China like the adversary that they are. Um, this is about not the people of China. This is about the Chinese Communist Party. They're not America's friend. They're not a force for good in the world. We need to treat them like the adversary that they are. And people are concerned, rightly so, about uh, spying on American kids, uh, uh, siphoning off data uh, through TikTok, buying up farmland, stealing our intellectual property. Um, and now, of course, the balloon. But uh, we got to end our reliance on them and the subsidies through trade on China. Uh, we got to invest in our military readiness and modernization. And I tell you what, uh, the stronger we are around the world, the more it prevents uh, future conflict with them. Uh, we don't want that. But the stronger we are now, the more we uh, protect and uh, take care and enhance and strengthen our military. Uh, the less problems we're going to have down the road.
0: There's no doubt. Peace through strength has always worked best in our country's history. Senator, it is such an honor to have you on the show. You're doing such groundbreaking work. I can't wait to get you back on. But thank you for the time today. I know how busy you are. Thank you, John. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, a good conversation with Scott Perry that Amanda Head and I had just a few minutes ago. You're going to get that. Scott Perry, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. He's got a plan if the federal government has to use it or lose it when it comes to real estate. He wants to get rid of all the vacant space, office space that federal agencies aren't using because they're letting their workers not show up for work, letting them work from home even though the COVID pandemic is long over. Well, he wants to get the money back for you and I, the American taxpayer. We'll have that next. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. IRS penalty-canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer...
0: Welcome back, everybody. When I cover Congress and I think of impact, this next guest comes to mind every time. He's the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. He's a man that's always on a mission making a change in Congress. He is the congressman from the great state of Pennsylvania. He is Scott Perry. Congressman, great to have you back on the show.
3: Well, it's great to be with you, Amanda. And, John, thanks so much for the opportunity.
0: It's a great honor always to have you on the show. Sir, I want to start with something. You have always been a champion of limited government. Joe Biden said, give me a bigger government, I'll make bigger fixes. The transportation department can't seem to fix anything. Airlines, railways, they don't even seem to care about the people when they're impacted by their negligence or incompetence. Uh, is this the ultimate example to teach people about the failure of big government?
3: Well, it sure so- should be. And, and I know that many of us, and rightly so, characterize these as failures, of the federal transportation system but understand while they're failures to us this administration and the left in general sees these as opportunities opportunities for more control and so they're sometimes quite literally happy when the system crashes because then they say well you know how we fix that is adding more government to it and of course we know that's not the answer but so many times Uh, You know, since we pay the high taxes, these agencies show up and we think that they're going to save us. It's not the case. These are absolute failures. This is incompetence. It is unacceptable, and it's a reason why we need to scrutinize every single level of government and every single agency, because we're sure paying a mighty price for these things, yet they don't deliver when we need them to. Great point.
4: Yes, sir. As Thomas Jefferson said, most bad government grows out of too big government or something to that effect. I'm sure I bastardized <laughs> it to some degree. But I wanted to ask you, speaking of too big government, I saw a very doomsday headline this morning from a very different news publication that you are ready to evict agencies from their office space. Can you tell our audience about that? <laughs>
3: Well, look, um, we look at the leases of all these federal agencies, and certainly since COVID, many of these uh, employers are re- working remotely. Why are we paying lease for lease space when the employees don't show up? And as importantly, when, uh, when Jim Jordan, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and when Jamie Comer, the chairman of the Oversight Committee, are issuing subpoenas, and these folks either won't produce documents or won't show up, well, OK then then we have a tool in our chest which means that you don't need the office space apparently.
0: yeah, Such common sense. Uh, most Americans are nodding their head right now in agreement. Um, Congressman, there were reports yesterday that the CBO chief briefed Congress and said we are in a debt crisis and we're not talking about the debt ceiling, we're talking about the long term trajectory of debt in America. Do you think that message cut through to Democrats? What are we going to be able to accomplish in the next budget round talks to get the debt going in the opposite direction, shrinking?
3: Well, look. I know the CBO said that we're going to add these trillions upon trillions of dollars in the next ten years on the on the current trajectory. But quite honestly, we've seen that. I mean, the, the President Biden raised it five trillion dollars essentially himself. So if Democrats are going to get it, it'd be the first time I saw him get it. And I'd, look, I'd be happy about that. But we absolutely need to change the trajectory. And it'd be great if Democrats would recognize that we don't need all this spending, that we can't afford it, and people will say, "Well, look, all we need is more." money. We're taking in record revenue. The federal government's taking in record revenue right now. But in 2019, we were spending $4.5 trillion, which we couldn't afford. And, and that was pre-COVID. Now, post-COVID, Spending six and a half trillion and and they don't recognize and don't want to acknowledge that, you know COVID is over, right? Even the president acknowledged that the pandemic is over yet They still want to spend the six and a half trillion dollars. The American taxpayer simply doesn't have it Our economy simply doesn't create that much that much money for the government to take from us And then spend on programs that we don't need and leases that we don't need
4: that's right. So important, Sir, you are there at CPAC. You were on a panel this morning called Congress Learns the Art of the Deal. It seems like Republicans have a thing or two to teach about that because in this short tenure with you guys in control, you've already gotten Democrats to come over to your side on a number of issues, most importantly, and most recently, China. Um, talk to us about that panel this morning and, and some of the things you talked about.
3: Well, we talked about just Congress in general, and the things that are going wrong with the country. But the big theme is, is that when Republicans, when conservatives, when when common sense Americans fight for something and stand up for something, they can win. But so often we just surrender. We just give in. We give in before the fight happens and we cannot do it. The country is in peril. It's heading in the wrong direction. It's heading there at a more a faster pace than, than most people are, have ever seen before in their lives and they're concerned about it. And we all have a part to play in that, whether it's a member of Congress that's voting on things or whether it's constituents that visit, visit their school board meetings or call their members of Congress and say, Hey, I, you know, I don't want you voting for this or why did you vote that way or, you know, what's happening in my own town with the curriculum that my, my children are being taught. And so that is the art of the deal. And the first part of the art of the deal is showing up for the deal.
0: Yeah, that's it. How about that? That would be a change. No doubt about it. Um, Congressman, uh, it seems now that Nancy Pelosi's iron fist is gone. And the thumb isn't on the scale that we're learning that Democrats shared some of the same concerns you and others have had about China, about China proofing the economy. Uh, is there a little bit of liberation there where finally Democrats are able to vote maybe how they feel rather than how Nancy Pelosi told them to feel?
3: Well, I sure hope so. And look, this is the issue where Democrats and Republicans absolutely need to be aligned. You know, that diplomacy goes to the, to the water's edge and we all gotta be for America, especially uh, when opposing the the uh, Communist Party of China and so in the past where the Democrats especially under under uh, Speaker Pelosi paid a lot of lip service to fighting China uh, the Communist Party of China their actions didn't really match up to that i'm hoping that this new committee and this newfound agreement against the oppression of the communist Chinese party is actually real and not, and it will transcend rhetoric and actually take the form of action. And as you know, I've got a bill that I've had for numerous sessions now to label the Communist Party of China a transnational criminal organization, which they are. And that would be real action.
4: Congressman, we've just got about 45 seconds left. I wanted to ask you, there has been a very public game of tug of war for your cell phone data. Um, I think for the American people, they see something like this, this happening to you who has a legitimate claim of constitutional protection, and they think if they can do it to Congressman Scott Perry, they can do it to me.
3: Well, they're right to think that uh, they're exactly right to think that way. And look, it's not just me. You look at Mark Houck in Philadelphia Brian. who said, you know, he was a, he's a protester that they wanted to arrest. He said he would turn himself in, yet they showed up armed at his house early in the morning to break the door down. You look at Scott Smith in Loudoun County, Virginia, who went to talk to his school board about his daughter being sexually assaulted mm-hmm. on school grounds and they arrested him. It's not just me. It's the weaponization of this federal uh, government against all citizens. It's not the way it's supposed to be. They're fed up with it.
0: All right, folks, don't go anywhere. An important discussion on the First Amendment with Congresswoman Harriet Hageman from the great state of Wyoming. She's the one who knocked Liz Cheney, put Liz Cheney on the unemployment line. By the way, Liz Cheney just got a job as a professor at the University of Virginia. But that was her mission. Harriet Hageman's mission was to make... Liz Cheney looked for a new job, and that she did. She's the newest congresswoman from the state of Wyoming, and she gave a robust defense of the First Amendment, the Constitution, imploring Americans to return and honor the will of our founding fathers, the intent of our founding fathers, the law of our founding fathers, all enshrined in the Constitution. It's not an option. It's a requirement, she said, to follow the Constitution. She wants more Americans to re-embrace it. We'll have that conversation right after this.
4: Welcome back everybody you are tuning in to our coverage of CPAC and we have a very special guest just down the Potomac from us actually on the ground at CPAC. Wyoming representative who was on our show many times as a candidate she now serves in Congress Harriet Hageman. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here.
5: Well it's wonderful to be back with you. I was so appreciative of the opportunity to visit with you when I was running for office and it's good to be here as the as the representative from Wyoming. We we
4: love having you on, and you always have such a clear message uh, for for our audience. We were just talking before this break about the Constitution and how it seems to be persona non grata in some factions of America, some age groups, some demographics. And you were talking about how you're on your panel this morning, uh, talking about the weaponization of the federal government, and that, of course, brings in the, the conversation about free speech. Uh, that That is a big topic of conversation. You've been such a fighter for that. Talk to us about it.
5: Well, as I said when we were visiting earlier, is that so many of my answers today in the panel came back to the Constitution. I talked about our rights under the First Amendment. We visited about the Second Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause of the Fifth Amendment and the, and the Fourteenth Amendment. We talked about the Tenth Amendment and the importance of taking power out of Washington, D.C. And I, I said that I kind of felt like a broken record because I kept answering every question with, well, it's the Constitution. And But the reality is, is that's what we've got to get back to. That is our foundational document. And why it's so critical in the discussion that we're having is Our Constitution protects us from the government, not the other way around. Our rights come from God. They don't come from the government. Because they come from God, the government cannot take them away. So I have an absolute First Amendment right in terms of both speech as well as hearing, uh, religious freedom, Uh, the Equal Protection Clause, as we talked about, is so incredibly important that everybody needs to be treated equally. That's that's what our our Constitution provides. So that's why that document seems to answer a lot of the the problems Problems we're having in this country. Mm-hmm.
0: You did such a good job of defending the First Amendment, and I think uh, uh, today there starts to be a growing number of liberal voices that are beginning to realize we've gone way too far. You got Tulsi Gabbard out there. You got Alan Dershowitz. Do you think some Democrats yes. are starting to wake up that we've taken this country way too far to an extreme, and it's time to wind it back?
5: Well, I sure hope so, uh, because we need to get this country back and we need to get back on track. I am always going to say what, what, what I even said today uh, on the panel, which is that we should not allow our government to be used against us. And so when I refer to our government, what I'm talking about are these federal agencies, because that's the way that our government in large part has been weaponized. The Department of Justice, the Department, or the, the FBI, uh, the EPA, I can go on and on about how these agencies are. We're taking more and more and more power. We're stockpiling more power in D.C. We're laundering more money through Washington, D.C., and it's absolutely contrary to our form of government. We need to convince, we need to be educating our students on this. We need to make sure that we are not allowing the federal government to become a dictatorial um, organization that controls every aspect of our lives. Yeah.
4: Congresswoman, and, and unfortunately, that weaponization seems to infiltrate nearly every branch of our government. Uh, President Biden, through executive fiat, seems to uh, exact punitive action on on certain people who, who don't agree with him, certain segments of society. Um, speaking of that, I wanted to ask you about the, the optics of him not going to East Palestine. Um, obviously, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg did finally go, I think, 10 days later, uh, or that was when he spoke on, and then it took an, another few days for him to actually, Get there. What does it say about this administration that Joe Biden is quicker to go to Ukraine than he is to East Palestine, Ohio?
5: Well, you just said it, and I think what it shows you is the priorities. We are often referred to in the middle part of the country as flyover country. And I believe that President Biden and many people in the the Democrat Party have forgotten the real American citizens because we are not significant to them other than in their ability to control us. We saw that through the pandemic. We've seen that in terms of their education policy. We've seen it in terms of their energy uh, policy. One of the things that I often talk about is how uh, horrible it is that this administration is not only uh, not only to making policies that that uh, create energy poverty, they are pushing policies that create energy policy, uh, energy poverty. And it's just I think that it epitomizes everything about this administration. It's not about the American people. It's about amass, amassing power and control. Going to the Ukraine was, I believe, uh, just absolutely a ridiculous photo opportunity. Um, and then we've got our people suffering right here because of that uh, because of failed policies
0: all right folks don't go anywhere we're going to come back in a few seconds and wrap things up for the day day one the first full day of cpac the conservative political action committee at the gaylord in washington dc lots of newsmakers walking around we're getting as many of them as they can to you over the next three four days hope you enjoy it we'll be back to wrap it up in just a second All right, folks, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed day one of CPAC. A lot of newsmakers walking around. We're going to try to get to as many of them as we can. There's some Democrats here. We're going to try to interview them as well. Lots of big conversations going on around the country. A big one in Congress, I just want to point this out just a few minutes ago, Nick Ballasy, our good friend and, and also correspondent in Congress, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the House GOP leaders unveiled a Parents' Bill of Rights going right after the large teachers' unions and their influence over your children and grandchildren's educations. This is going to be an epic fight between Republicans and Democrats funded by the teachers' union. You saw a pretty large rant and rave by the head of the American Federation of Teachers on the Supreme Court. debts that disturbed a lot of people. Say, wait a second, that woman's in charge of the teachers who teach my children. I'm not so sure I like that. Well, we're going to have a big coverage of that. Check it out at justthenews.com. We're so grateful that you're here and checking out and reading and keeping up on the news through all the things that we try to do. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. Why? It's really simple. Tomorrow, Nikki Haley, the former U.N. ambassador, the former governor of South Carolina, the current Republican candidate for president. She's going up against President Trump and probably a lot of others before the field is rounded out. She'll be here with us tomorrow for two long blocks, So we're going to get a lot of policy in, and we're really excited about that. Hey, something I want to remind you about, we're in times of inflation and high expenses, slowing economy, increasing interest rates that make our buying power less and less. But the influence of rising inflation and rising interest rates are taking the bite out of your wallet. You have less buying power than you had just a few months ago. Wages are falling further and further behind. Well, when you do give your contributions for philanthropy, for charity, you want to make sure now, more than ever, that every dollar matters, that every dollar you spend is aligned with your values, and that it gets the maximum impact in a moment of such great challenge in America. The Economist recently reported that American philanthropy is going woke and predominantly funding liberal causes. I've seen that. I've written about that. You see that a lot. About a year ago, we had the Salvation Army story, right? Salvation Army was doing some of that CRT stuff. Our series caused the to back off from that, but there is a lot of wokeness, a lot of liberal influence in the charitable space. And there is a great group called Donors Trust. They're one of our partners, they're one of our sponsors, one of our advertisers, and they have a podcast called Giving Ventures. It is amazing. It helps a donor, a prospective donor, discover new opportunities to change the world for the better by finding charities that align with your values. If your values are liberty, if your values are small government, if your values are our conservative freedom, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, unalienable rights. Well, Donors Trust is here to help you find some of those amazing new charities you might not have heard for, heard of that are making a difference in the space. Places like the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, a charity that works with lawmakers to craft policy that lifts people out of poverty, gives them opportunity through the free markets. How about that? Kendall Qualls, president of Take Charge Minnesota, whose organization promotes common sense family policy. It's another one you're going to learn about. And of course, my longtime friend, Bob Woodson, founder and president of the Woodson Center, one of the great civil liberties and civil rights leaders of many generations. He's got a charity that helps revitalize low income communities, that's something worth doing. Put your money to the best work. Well, Donors Trust makes all of those possible. They can help you align your values with your best dollars. And you can start by simply listening to the Giving Ventures podcast. It's the way to get started. And then you can learn more about not only the podcast, but the opportunities that Donors Trust has as one of the oldest and largest donor advised funds in America, helping conservative libertarian givers simplify, protect, and grow their giving. That's a good idea. Simplify. Protect and grow your giving. Align every one of your dollars that you give charitably to your best values. Here's how you subscribe to the podcast and catch up on all the latest good things that Donor Trust can do for you. Go to www.donorstrust.org slash justnews. Let me give that again, www.donorstrust.org slash news. That'll get you started. The podcast, some great materials, and a chance to start exploring some charities you might not have known about that make a difference in the world today. We're very excited for all that. All right, folks, that wraps up day one of CPAC. Thank you for listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Justin News. Keep an eye on Justinnews.com. We'll have you covered day in and day out on all of the big breaking news, including what's going on at the speeches and panels at CPAC. God bless you. Good night. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, have a great evening.